Hi, this is Dan Hearn from Lodden Brewery and you're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello! I'm Hugh Ford. I'm Tom Canning. And I'm Jenny Slevo. And welcome to episode three of The Real Reading Podcast. We're recording this on Tuesday the 30th of January and our guest this week is Dan Hearn from Lodden Brewery. If you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. And if you're able, please leave us a review on iTunes. As well as the interview with Dan, we have all the usual features, including what we've liked this week and Fort Explains It All. We're joined today by our colleague and Get Reading Deputy Publisher, Jenny Slevin. Say hi, Jenny. Hi. Most people say hi, Jenny, at that point. Oh, they, they take sorry, it literally. I'm more original than that. Oh, <laughs> too original for us. Um, Jenny, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time out to come and talk to us and spend the day with us. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast. I've been listening religiously and I'm really enjoying it. So I will obviously cringe while listening to myself <laughs> back. As we do every week. I, I say thanks for coming and spending the day with us. We all spend all day, every day with each other. So, mm. um, you know... Hmm. It's nice to be doing something different though, isn't it? Yes, it is, it is. Hugh, how do you feel about Jenny being on the podcast? Uh, It's okay, Um, she can't critique my work in this position, so that's fine. Definitely not your spelling and punctuation. Yes, and my lack of knowledge about HTML. But Hugh (laughs) is very, very good at critiquing people's vocabulary, so I'm sure he'll be me if I use less instead of fewer. Um, Okay, so as we did a few weeks ago on the preview, those of you who have been listening all the way through, uh, we... Hugh and I wrote down three things that we loved about Reading. So we thought, uh, as Jenny was our guest today, we would ask her to do the same thing. So Jenny, over to you. Three things you love about Reading. Well, I'm going to start with one that I think most people in Reading already know that I love, and that is the Purple Turtle. Uh, a little while ago, I wrote sort of a love letter to the Purple Turtle after it was infamously called lame by the tab. The tab's lame. Don't listen to what they've got to say. Uh, the Purple Turtle was great. I met my husband there. He's now my husband. He wasn't at the time when we met. And we had some wedding pictures taken there. And I spent several evenings of my, well, probably near on 100 evenings of my teenage years in Purple Turtle. So it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and as you say, you met your husband there. Did, did you know at the time that he was going to be one day your husband? I doubted it very much. <laughs> I think we might swiftly move on from that one. Um, number two, Jenny. Um, so recently, and against my better judgment, I signed up for a Reading Half Marathon. And I have been joining the running groups across Reading. So I, I started doing Reading Park Run at uh, Thames Valley Park. Um, unfortunately, that's a bit waterlogged at the minute, so I've moved to Dinton Pastures. And not wanting to get up an extra kind of half an hour earlier so I can get over to Dinton Pastures, I have changed to Woodley Park Run, which I really enjoy. It's uh, around uh, Woodford Park, near the Oakwood Centre in Woodley. Um, and they've just got a fantastic group of volunteers, a fantastic group of, of members. Um, everyone's very supportive and I'm really enjoying it. And on top of that, I've also been joining Sweatshop, doing their Tuesday evening and Sunday morning runs. Um, and again, they're just such a great bunch. It's lovely to meet some more people around Reading that are all doing something similar. Um, and likewise with Woodley Park Run, they're, they're all just really supportive. So um, I just wanted to give them a, a shout out on here as something that I've recently come to love about Reading. And then finally, 
I can't not mention the beautiful, glorious River Thames. Um, there's so much going on along the Thames in Reading. Um, announced just at the beginning of this week was the lineup to the Ready Pop Festival, which is obviously in uh, Christchurch Meadows on the Thames. Um, but just walks along it. I, I walk over it every morning on my way to work um, and every evening on my way home, believe it or not. And I'm very excited to uh, have found out this week that Dawn Penn of No 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 fame is going to be playing on the River Thames for Ready Pop Festival this summer. So I'm very excited about that. Dawn Penn. Remind me. Not sure. You don't want me to sing it. No, You've I already, want you to you, sing. No, you, you promised you were going to sing. Come <laughs> I'm on. I'm singing. So this is a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Because we actually mocked one of our colleagues for not we knowing did, who yes. Madness was last week. We've got some I, feedback on that I as well. do not know who Dawn Penn is. And I, I do know who Sean Penn is. <laughs> he's, a, he's an actor who's married to Madonna. She had a single out in the early 90s called... It's called You Don't Love Me, but the line is, no, 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 you don't love me. Oh, yes, I do know it's that. Coming yes. now, yes. It's coming now, isn't it? It's all coming back to you. I remember that being just, played just, on just a top of the pops. Oh, I'm she's afraid not. not. Do it, listeners. She's not going to do it. Um, okay, so thanks, Jenny. That was three really good things. Um, if anyone has their own three things that they love about Reading, then we'd love to hear them. Um, Jenny, which one of those do you love the most? Oh, don't make me choose. That's uh, not fair. I think it's fair. That's like asking me which one of my cats I love more. I can't, oh, I can't do that. Definitely one, but you love them more than your husband. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Okay, uh, before we get into the features though, some feedback. So, as I mentioned, we've had some feedback, uh, which is which is great. Um, we put a poll out on last week's Fort Explains It All around the water fountains. Um, it, the, the simple question was, uh, would people use the water fountains if they were installed? Um, Hugh, just remind us of the water fountains. Uh, the Reading Borough Council is going to write to Thames Water about the prospect of Thames Water installing water fountains around the town centre for people to fill up their water bottles with so this is um, as part of a, a drive to reduce the amount of plastic that is uh, generated the idea being that people keep their original water bottles rather than just buying new ones and then throwing them away into into the bins around the town so it's a very early stage project but that that would be the idea great so we as i say we put a poll out um we had 95 votes which is a a, a nice a nice number um finishing quite a nice round finish as well so 55 percent said yes 45 percent said no they wouldn't use the water fountain and um, we had a response uh, on our facebook page uh peter jepson said rather refill my water from premises and pay a small service charge if need be this way the water source can be traceable Raymond Hicks said, yes, far better than buying bottled water and having to deal with all the discarded plastic bottles. I believe, I believe as well, many coffee shops are now offering free tap water if asked, uh, which uh, if, that is, if that is the case, I don't think we've been around uh, and, and checked individual coffee shops, but if that is the case, then that, that's great news. Mm. Um, I definitely ag- uh, agree with uh, what Raymond said, or echo that, and just think, I do think that it's about time that we all started taking a lot more responsibility for the amount of plastic that we're getting through. Um, and if a few water fountains can can yeah. help stop that problem, then so be it. I think, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's great. You, you've got your own uh, metal. I've metallic. recently invested yes. in a very fancy water bottle for that purpose. My my problem with water bottles is that I'm generally clumsy and lose things forgetful so i've got about four of the same plastic water bottle none of which i can currently find i think one of them's in hull yes it probably is um on probably on the back of the toilet where i hung it 
um, for, because of uh, just, anyway, yeah, let's just move over from that one. Um, <laughs> another uh, another comment, and this is just a general comment from a uh, someone very very familiar to us. Uh, just been listening to the splendid Get Running podcast and heard my son Hugh Fort say, "I do like a good agenda." Brought tears to my old eyes, and that was uh, Linda Fort Hugh. Yes. Mumsy. Um. <laughs> it isn't the. Uh, it's nice to know that you can make her proud still. Yes, yeah. and I was probably indoctrinated by the fact she used to take me to uh, uh, Berkshire County Council meetings when I was a small child. Wow. By way of punishment, was it similar to the naughty step? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was usually either during school holidays or if I was ill. In fact, I remember being sick down myself in the public gallery there. <laughs> 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 That was, that was when I was about 23. No, I was about six. Um, you say it reminded me rather well of the Crystal Maze. Mumsy! Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Is it Richard O'Brien? It was Richard O'Brien, yeah. yeah. He used to play the harmonica. Yes, he did. Um, and we've had a just a general rebuke uh, over uh, something uh, Jenny mentioned earlier uh, about um, musicians and who you know and who you don't know. Uh, Bridget Schiller wrote, uh, don't make too much fun of your co-worker. I'm a massive Il Devo fan, but I've never heard of Madness. Honestly, I didn't even know they were a band. That's, she's got to be joking, surely. Come on, Madness. I did think that your mocking of Il Devo last week was a little bit harsh. Well, I think I, they're far more popular than either of you realised I, I at the time. I have taken the trouble to go on Wikipedia, uh, <laughs> and I have printed, uh, since its inception, Il Devo has enjoyed success worldwide, selling over 30 million copies of its albums. With 160 gold and platinum hits in 35 different countries, it pioneered the genre of operatic pop, or popera, in classical crossover music. Uh, and I hate myself for reading that out, but I feel hopefully Bridget will forgive us for mocking Il Devo. Um, that was just on the back of Madness announcing uh, they were playing Englefield House, which is not in Reading, it's in Thiel. Thank you very much for clarifying that. It's quite it, It's right. important to realise these things as well, because um, having had this discussion, I, I remembered my dad, who doesn't know anything about pop music at all, to the point which he didn't know who Madonna was. Um, and had to be explained and then still didn't really believe that she existed <laughs> after being told who she was Madonna being one of the most famous women probably in the world that is worrying where yes. was he in the 80s how, how Play, long ago was playing this playing cricket <laughs> <laughs> how long ago was this <laughs> about 10 years ago okay so she probably if not the height of her fame was one of her it was certainly she's been around a while yes it was that the, her her song Ray of Light came on the radio, okay. yeah. which is a very well played song. And he said, "What's this terrible rubbish?" <laughs> and, I, and I think my sister said, "It's Madonna, Dad." He went, "Never heard of her," and turned off the radio. <laughs> I, I like his attitude. Yes, I. I, I you, would, you wouldn't if you met him. <laughs> <laughs> More on uh, Tom Ford in later podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. We can only hope. We can only hope. We're not getting him on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's both uh, both Hugh's parents on the podcast this week. This is this is good news. More of that, please. Um, okay, on to what we've liked this week. So, what we've liked in Reading this week. Uh, Jenny, as you're our guest, uh, ladies first, what about what have you liked in Reading this week? Well, I have very much liked the news that uh, Reading Ale Trail will be launched on the 20th, 10th of February, uh, so next month, uh, a week on Saturday, 
Um, I believe the members of Reading Camera um, and people that are organised in the Ale Trail, including my dad, he's been very smug about this, already know all of the pubs on the Ale Trail. But he's been tight-lipped, he won't tell me what they are, so we will have to wait until Saturday, the 10th of February, to find them out. It's being launched at the Fox and Hounds in Caversham, um, and people can pick up their, their booklets for the Ale Trail. I don't know whether you know very much about the Ale Trail, Tom, I imagine you do. I've, do you know what, I've never done it. Have you not? No, I would like to do it for the first ever time this year. I think it's a, it's a bit similar to getting your passport stamped, isn't yeah. it? You just have to visit, well, it's a great excuse to visit all the local pubs, support your local, support pubs that aren't your local. The idea is that you take your, you pick up a booklet, you take your booklet along to all of the pubs along the trail, you order a half pint of real ale or cider or a soft drink if you're a designated driver, um, and you get a sticker, and you then stand, send off your sticker book, and you win a prize, which is uh, either beer tokens and a t-shirt, or just beer to- tokens for the beer festival that's happening later in the year. That's, I think that's the first bank holiday weekend of May, uh, the, the Reading bit, Reading and Cider. I'm going to take festival. your word for it. I haven't written it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hugh, you'll obviously be taking part in this. Um, it's not really my thing, actually, Tom, because I have been uh, teetotal now for getting off 10 years. So as much as I think it's an excellent concept, and I'm sure that the real elf fans of the town will very much enjoy it, I will not be collecting Diet Coke stamps over. Oh. You can oh. drive us to all the pubs. Yes. How are we going to get to the pubs, you? You can walk. <laughs> <laughs> you can burn off all those pints in between. Fair enough. Um, Jenny, I think a couple of them, if I read that correctly, there's a couple of the pubs that are not local. They're a little bit further afield. That is correct. There are two that are a little bit further afield. They are the Bird in Hand in Henley um, and the Pack Horse in Maple Durham. Um, they've both been announced already, as have um, obviously the Fox and Hounds in Caversham, but also the Fox and Hounds in Thiel and the Fox and Hounds in Tilehurst. So the Reading's three Fox and Hounds will so all triple be foxes. Oh, yes. Well, okay. Well, I think that's something we all need to get on board with and um, get out there and support our local pubs. Um, I've put myself down next. I've I've pulled rank and just decided I'm going next. Um, what rank is that? I don't know. The man who knows how to operate the sound thing. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> Very professional, the sound thing. Um, I think he means the microphones, the microphone, ladies and gentlemen. So, the thing that I like this week, uh, I say liked, and I'm in a bit of trouble. Uh, I got a bit carried away at Family Do at the weekend and decided I was going to sign up for the Reading Half Marathon. Uh, and that is in about six weeks time. 18th of March 18th of March what's that seven weeks so okay you don't know either no okay no so yes not many weeks uh, and how much training have I done none yet so um, I'm going to go out tonight which is Tuesday night and see how far we get Um, it's entry is 40 pounds I believe you can still enter if people uh, are mad so you can still enter and it's a, i have done it a few times before and it's a great run around the town um if nothing else everybody clapping you all the way around doesn't does get you around um jenny have you done it before i know you mentioned it's one of the things that you're looking forward to i haven't done it before it's something i've always said i would do and have never gotten around to doing it so uh kind of midway through last year i decided that next well this year was going yeah. to be the year to do it um i am a bit nervous my greatest achievement in life as of yet, is watching the entire series of The Wire in a month. So, you know, very different than <laughs> very running. Very sedimentary. 
Very, very different positions lying on a sofa watching TV to, to running around Reading. I think you mean sedentary. I think I meant sedentary, yes. <laughs> it's not a type of rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, it, I mean, I must admit I'm more nervous this time than the three previous occasions that I've done it because I've, right, show I off. know, I will, um, but I'm coming from a point uh, of not having done anything for a while, so watch this space listeners. Hugh, you've run it haven't you? I have indeed, believe it or not, because uh, it may shock you to know I'm very much not built for long distance running. I did it in 2005, so 13 years ago, I was cajoled, bullied I would say, <laughs> by a former member of staff. Um, on the Wokingham Times and yes 2005 and did I enjoy it? Well I think it's a marvellous community occasion uh, did I enjoy it? N- no I after about 10 miles I vowed I decided this was the stupidest thing I've ever done and <laughs> vowed never to do any more long distance running um, which I've stuck to resolutely yes. since then. You're more of a quick dash between the stumps kind of guy, aren't you? I am, yeah. <laughs> short bursts. Yes. Yeah, short bursts. Um, yeah, just the way my knees felt afterwards was uh, was kind of for a week, <laughs> for a week, a week of pain. But, you know, you get that amazing sense of uh, satisfaction when you do finish, yeah. and you will, unless you physically injure yourself, so, which means you can't, you know, propel yourself forward. You will finish. It took me three and a half hours. They were taking the um, finished up line down when I, when I finally arrived. Um, no fanfare then. No fanfare, no, no. Um, but you know, they still got, I still got my medal, and I can still say I quote unquote ran the Reading Half Marathon. So uh, I would recommend it for anyone. Um, but like I say, I'm not going to do it again. So don't even ask me. I'm not going to. I think maybe a bit nearer the time we might do a bit of a Reading Half Marathon special. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to a few more people uh, about the half marathon itself. So that's, that's my thing. Hugh, your thing. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing about this one. This is something I've invented. This is the Reading Green Run. And it's not a run like the half marathon, but it I was is, say, this is something that happens as frequently as Reading Half Marathon. And it is to do with driving. It is to do with getting from the IDR out of Castle Hill in one go without stopping. And it happens about as often as Halley's Comet in this town. <laughs> um, so the idea is you, you are coming down, coming out of town off the IDR, you come off at Castle Hill, you are able to continue through the light, which is green, then the next light is also green, and then if you're incredibly lucky, the third light on the roundabout is also green. So you are then, then travelling up the hill, and you can see the lights in the distance, and they might be red. But they might, if they're green, you're doomed because they will they will change <laughs> unless you've got a Bugatti Veyron or something like that, and no no consideration for the uh, the speed limits in this town. But um, if they're red, there's always a chance that the lights could change, and this is when this is when you you actually benefit from the traffic moving slowly because you can you can plod along slowly, just up the road, and then the lights will change and you can get past it and then on to Bath Road. I did this on Monday. Uh, sorry, I did this on Tuesday. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's Tuesday today. I did this on Monday, coming out of Reading. It was about half past six, so it was busy. And I was just very, very fortunate with the lights on my way home. I was so pleased to get out of Castle Hill. And then, of course, I got onto the equally congested Bath Road and continued at about nine miles an hour until I got home. So it is a joyous thing. Um, I'm sure many people in Reading have done it without really realising what, what it is. Um, but it happens very, very rarely as we've discussed in the past yes. 
we've spent a lot of our lives sitting in our cars at those lights and so the one occasion you don't have to do that should be should be noted and enjoyed even if you get stuck in traffic very slightly further up the road. <laughs> <laughs> I think green green runs are probably more common across across the town than we think. There's definitely other places. I when I first started driving into Reading for work when I lived over in uh, in Bracknell, um, I did a Kings Road green run from the where you come off the A three two nine all the way through. No. Down. no. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Nice. No, it's not. It's right. impossible. It, it was pretty early in the morning, but it was it was done, uh, and I think it got all the way to where the red cow is. Did a had a bit of a bit of a run on that one. That was it was a pretty good feeling. Yes, you you can do that one at night. Yeah, um, I come back from uh, cricket matches. Is it cricket that way? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, if it's if it's late at night, the the lights seem to be more favourable to you. But yes, it's also. When you suddenly realise you've gone through the whole of East Reading without without stopping, pretty much, you, you, you realize that's pretty good. That's pretty I good can't goal. tell you the glee on Hugh's face as he's talking <laughs> about talking about these green light runs. So it's, it's nice to see that something makes you this happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it happens so rarely. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Um, that was that was three great things, um, if I may say so myself. Um, now it's time for Fort explains it all. Hugh, what are you going to be talking about this week? We're going to be talking about a slightly contentious issue in Reading this week, which is the swimming pools and the current lack of and slight... Current, un- I like it. Uh, yes, very good. <laughs> and the slight uncertainty as to whether, to when we might see some new swimming facilities um, built in the town. Uh, this goes back to October 2016, when Reading Borough Council decided it had to close Arthur Hill Pool in Kings Road due to the uh, the ongoing costs of running the place um, it is hundred it was one hundred and five at the time so it's getting on for about one hundred and seven years old now um, it was leaking it was old fashioned it was generally everything there was very expensive to run due to its age and the council had been patching it up um, carrying out fairly extensive and ex- extensive and expensive refits and refurbishments to to keep it open um but as the amount of money the council has has dwindled and gone down over over that period of time it had no choice to but to have to close it so that leaves no no kind of swimming facility in that part of reading at all um more recently and i fact i think in fact tomorrow is the last day of Reading Central Pool. So that'll be uh, Wednesday the 31st of January. I think so. The end of January is what we were told. Um, it would it would be no longer. That is another um, run-down, expensive um, swimming pool. That was going to cost them, they reckon, £5 million to, to do up and keep open. And um, to be honest, I used to go there 20 years ago when I was a kid and uh, it was old-fashioned and, and a bit, a bit uh, scrubby then. So... There hasn't been any kind of um, outcry as to the particular closure of that swimming pool. There very much was with Arthur Hill. But it leaves Reading quite thin on the ground in terms of swimming pools. They, they have just opened a, a new temporary pool at Rivermead, um, which is designed to, to provide something for people over the course of the next 
few years while the plans are formulated for these new two new pools at Palmer Park, which is in East Reading, and uh, at Rivermead as well. Very keen to stress the council that it's not in place of Rivermead, it is in addition to Rivermead. Because while well, um, Rivermead does have a pool, it's not a, a sort of serious swimming pool. It's more of a children's facility, yeah, isn't it? I it think is, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, but what we've, what we've learned in the past week is that the new pools are being delayed. Um, the council originally said they hoped that work would start uh, this year. Um, and it turns out that they're not going to even be able to appoint an operator for the new pools until next year summer um, with the hope that planning permission is then given later next year and work might start in 2020 but they did con- also concede uh, Sarah Hacker who's a lead member for leisure also conceded at a meeting last week that work might not start until 2021 so it depends on how you define summer if um, if it gets given if they appoint an operator on the 1st of June say and then you could essentially get planning permission within two months of that, which takes you into August, and then work could could possibly start in the autumn if you don't appoint a contractor until mid-August and planning permission then doesn't come till November or December, the work isn't going to start next year. So it, it depends entirely on that process and how quickly they can they can get going. She did sort of say it's been much harder than they thought logistically and uh, organisationally to, to plan these two pools. So at the moment, we don't know quite when they're going to open. They promise to be very good. Um, the one at Rivermead, I think, has going to, is going to have sort of top-class diving facilities, um, similar to the ones at Reading Central, but we hope less terrifying. Than, than <laughs> we hope a lot of people remember what it's like to jump off the, uh, the top board at Reading, Reading Central, and it wasn't a pleasant experience as a child. And... Uh, Palmer Park as well will be will have it won't have the diving facilities but it has everything any kind of serious swimmer would would hope for but we don't know when and the questions I keep getting asked from the Arthur Hill campaigners and sort of general generally members of the public is why did they let those two pools just run down and eventually have to close and not have any plans in place over the course of the last two years to to move towards building the new facilities that is the question, isn't it? It's you know, did they give any explanation as to why why uh, they wouldn't be able to appoint an operator for another year and a half? Not specifically, no. Um, it was a one of the short kind of public questions they have at these meetings, where where the, the member of the public, who's who's a man called Roger Lightfoot, who takes a very close interest in the swimming aspect of Reading, and he he asked what was happening essentially, and. The, the answer was just to explain that there was been been a delay. In, ter- in terms of why, it was just this kind of slightly vague, it's taking longer than we thought answer. It has been suggested to me, I don't know if this is true, but that the council was hoping to continue to repair um, Arthur Hill and Reading Central up until the point much further down the line, but subsequently the cost of both has suddenly become far too much you know they, they haven't got five million quid mm. to spend on a on a reading central pool and it says in the paperwork for the document um doing it would be a very poor use of public money and it would be to do up reading central pool to keep it going for two years spend that much money on that particular facility which is like i say was outdated 20 years ago it, it's absolutely right to say it 
you know, we should put what money we have into providing new facilities. But there is going to be this delay. It just seems like there's a complete lack of planning with it, doesn't there? It just, well, for, from from a swimmer's point of view, if you, where, where are you supposed to go now? It's, I know that there's obviously this pop-up one at, at Rivermead. There's but, a couple of private pools as well, isn't there, I think? Yeah, but those them. cost far more yeah. than, than yeah. they would cost to, to go along. And you look at what Bracknell Forest Council has recently done with Coral Reef, and, you know, Coral Reef was getting run down, but they realised a couple of years ago yeah. that it needed doing that rather mm. than waiting until this point. When they spent about £13 million on it, didn't they? They did spend a lot of money on it, yeah. And I, we, know, we all know that councils just don't have that kind of money. Yeah, it's like I say. There's not the there's not the outcry at losing Reading Central as a, as a as a piece of architecture or a piece of <laughs> town's history. <laughs> it's simply the fact that we're not going to have a pool. We're going to have fewer pools, and we don't know when the new pools, which I'm sure will be great, are going to appear, be ready, and eventually open, which is what everyone wants. And that's the that's the concern that people have. A town like Reading, which is expanding in every way possible. It, except in swimming facilities. So that's what's happening essentially with, with these the, the swimming projects in Reading. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll be keeping a close eye on it. I'm sure Mr. Mr. Roger Lightfoot as well will be keeping a very close um, eye on what's happening with regards to these these facilities. And we will keep keep on at the council to make sure that they, they are they are provided and they are built. Um, and the ca- the councillors know as well that there is definitely pressure on them to do this. You can't shut pools and then not provide any other alternatives to that. And that's their, their whole message. They repeatedly state, this is what we're doing. We are providing better facilities than the one we closed. And if that doesn't happen, then they're going to have a lot of uh, questions to answer. Thanks very much, Hugh. Um, so that was uh, Hugh, Hugh Fort explains it all this week on the swimming pool situation in Reading. We've got a bit of a pre-recorded interview with Dan Hearn at the Lodden Brewery. Um, that's that's just about to come up. Um, I think uh, roll the tape. Hi everyone, uh, I'm here at Lodden Brewery with Dan Hearn. Say hey Dan. Hey. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting us, thank you for having us in. Um, where are we? Talk us, we're, we're actually in the brewery. We are. Uh, if you can hear any noise out the back, can you tell me what is that noise? The noise out the back today is there, we're actually brewing, we're brewing Ferryman's Gold today. We're sitting in the cask store right now, which is probably the most important bit in the whole brewery because it's where we store the beer. I am surrounded by barrels of beer, I could not be happier right now. Uh, you very kindly got us a got us a pint in. What am I drinking? It's called Reading Best. Reading Best. Is that one of your one of your favourites? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm getting a bit older now, so it's only four percent. I don't like. <laughs> I can't deal with five, six, seven, eight percent beers anymore. And it's uh, we actually did it a few years ago because ever since we started, Reading has really taken us to heart, and we've you know we've loved uh, having it as a key area for us. And so we just wanted to say thank you. So we created an entirely new beer, called it Reading Best, and it's gone really well. I, I've, I've had it at a few beer festivals. I really enjoy it. It's quite a just a quite a nice, easy drinking yeah, session. Four yeah. percent. Absolutely perfect. I don't want to go too deep for anybody that's not up into their beers, but I don't want to go too too deep into kind of beer mythology or anything like that. We just kind of want to have a chat about what the brewery is about and how it, how it is. So um, I wanted to ask you, um, I just wanted to tell us a little bit about the brewery, when it started, why it started and, and, and what's happening and what's going on. So we first we first brewed in July 2003, which is going to be 15 years this July, which is, uh, is extraordinary really. So basically we started because my dad, Chris, 
uh, had worked in breweries his whole life. He'd worked at Breakspears ever since he was uh, a 16-year-old. Yeah. And he got to the stage where he said, you know what, I want my own brewery. And so spent about a year looking for the premises, found these. It was a, these were 300-year-old ex-cow barns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they look wonderful, but it took a year of, of a lot I of work imagine, yes. to get them to turn around. Uh, but it was just kind of, it was on a whim. And actually, the reason we did it was just simply because Gordon Brown... Uh, made it possible for small breweries because okay. he uh, changed the excise rate. So all of a sudden, you could open a brewery and only be making 10 firkins a week. And it was actually worth doing because beforehand it was just prohibitively expensive. So that was it. It was the dream of a lifetime for Chris. He decided fantastic. it was time to go. What was it like being, uh, as a young man having a dad who, was, who had his own brewery? It was fantastic. But you know, the funny thing is, is that I was, I was like most young blokes of my generation weaned on terrible Euro fizz like Foster's, like Heineken, all the kind of pap you'd find down at the pub. And I had to make myself like real ale. And I remember over, over a year, I went into pubs ordering ale and I chewed it down. It was, I hated it. But I was like, no, I've got free beer and I need to take advantage of yes. this. And then yeah. I started enjoying it and appreciating it and the taste. And it's I've kind of, kind and of suddenly you were able to afford a nicer car than everybody else because you'd saved all the money. That's and... it, that's it, I'm free beer. <laughs> so Dan, you say uh, that Reading has taken London Brewery to its heart. And um, when I drove here from Reading, uh, I drove past a little sign that said Oxfordshire. This is the Real Reading podcast, and technically you're not in Reading. So just talk me through how that, how that works and, and as, as a market and how your marketing works around that. Well, we, you're absolutely right. We're, not, we're technically not in Reading. We're about, as the crow flies, a mile from Cavisham Park Village, uh, about a mile from Emma Green. But yeah, if you, look out, you know, if you look out to the right in the brewery, that hedge is basically the boundary line between Oxfordshire and Berkshire. Right. But of course, uh, although we might be in Oxfordshire, might not be in Reading, clearly Reading is our key trading area, always has been. We're about five minutes into the town centre with a good run. And ever since we've started, Reading was always the key area, you know, the area we wanted to be in, fantastic pubs, uh, really good camera group, people who were supportive, uh, a great real ale town with a load of beer history. If you think like Simmons Brewery and you think of the big kind of Heineken plants and everything like that, it's got, you know, the three Bs. It's, yeah. a, it's a town drenched in history and it's what we wanted to do. So we say we're Reading's local brewery because we are its local brewery, but we're not Reading's brewery. And it's a distinction, <laughs> yes. but it's one that stays on the right side of it. But we are, I mean, it's clearly, we're very proud to be Reading's local brewery. It's, it's where we've always focused. Um, got fabulous pubs in there, great accounts where we've been in since day one. And, you know, we're delighted with our association with the town. So what, what's your, what's your favourite pub to go and get a lot from? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I love the Allied Arms. Yeah. I love, it's a proper big town boozer. And I mean that in the nicest way. It's a place to go with mates and have a couple of pints. They've always had hullabaloo. Great landlords, great clientele, great location. But there's loads. There's loads I absolutely love. I love the Nags Head. Who doesn't? Who Fantastic doesn't? place. Yeah. I mean, the way that, you know, that they, they've got such an extraordinary choice of keg and cask beer. It's brilliant. And then you have some great ones locally. Um, you know, the Fox and Hounds in Caversham. Yeah. Superb. And, and the thing is, as well, and I, I will say this, is, is I've got to give a nod to the Weatherspoons as well. Because whatever your views are of Weatherspoons as a pub or, or anything like that, as a brewery, they're extraordinarily um, supportive and they always have been from day one. And, you know, the Barrington Duggan and all the ones in town, the Hope Tap, and they, they've from day one have stopped our beer and they still continue to all the time. So actually their support has been, you know, very, very helpful as well. So just uh, just for our listeners who are maybe a little bit maybe unfamiliar with the beer, talk me just briefly through cask and keg. So cask, they're basically, and I don't want to get in trouble with this, it's essentially the same thing in terms of how the brewing process goes. Yep. You make beer, beer only has four ingredients. It has hops, yeast, water and malt. And that's all beer. The difference is, is how it's dispensed. Cask is uh, cask conditioned, so it goes in generally with the sediment. 
uh, and it continues to condition, whereas keg comes out pressurised, essentially, hence it's fizzier and it's colder. Craft beer, again, what, you know, not entirely sure what that means, but craft beer tends to come in keg. What you'd call traditional real ale tends to come in cask, but of course there's massive crossovers between those. Yeah. Thanks. I think that will uh, help everybody, not least me. So um, it was a slightly selfish question. Um, so get, get ready, as, as part of Get Ready, we recently went and did a, a video at uh, Siren Craft Brew. Um, and in, in my mind, they, 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 they're a bit different to Lod. Like, I couldn't really tell you how, but their beers, I think, are a little bit more... Uh, they, they, they do different beers to, to Lodden, I, I, in, in my mind. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, completely. I love Siren's beers. I think they're fantastic. I, and I, I, think, I would agree with you, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. And I think there's this, there's this ridiculous thing going on in the beer world now, craft beer versus cask beer. And, and at the end of the day, there's good beer and there's bad beer. Yeah. There's beer brewed on an industrial scale with, scale with poor ingredients, servo, you know, it's, it's, it's dreadful. Then you've got beer brewed locally or on a smaller scale with great ingredients, and it's really good. Our beer is different to those. Ours, we would definitely be more of a traditional brewery. We're constantly trying to... Our biggest sellers are really traditional session ales. Although this month we've brought out a really hoppy American pale, which is packed full of citrus. So we're looking to innovate. Siren, completely different. I mean, extraordinary beers, like like kind of uh, tea leaf beers and, yeah. and, and things. But it's innovative and it's, it's clever and it's, it's, it's really delicious. And so essentially it's you know there's a beer for everybody and it, what's great about this area right now is that there's loads of breweries who are thriving and if you go into any pub around here now the choice of beers from local breweries that you get is extraordinary so yeah different brewery potentially a different clientele but you know they're doing great work and i really like their beers great it would bring me nicely on to um my question around favorite beers you i can't, I can't come to a brewery and not ask Ask a ask a man such as yourself what your favourite beer was. I mean, let's let's split it into two. Let's say, what's your favourite Lodden beer for a start? What's your recommendation? The one, the one that you love. My one would be Ferryman's Gold because I'm a Golden Beer fan. It's our flagship beer. We've had it since day one. It's won the most awards of all the beers we've ever had, um, and I, I still love it. I love it. It's four and a half percent, golden, easy drinking. Lovely and hoppy. So that's my kind of beer. I, I, I appreciate and respect stouts and porters and stuff like that. I just don't really like them that much. It's just a personal yeah. preference. Yeah, see, as I've got older, I've, I'm more on the stout kind of th- side of things now. So uh, I, I'm looking kind of at, at that, and that, they seem to, to do it for me a bit more these days. Um, and Okay, all right, the second part of that question then. What is your favourite beer that isn't a lot of brewery? What, what's beer? your? I'll let you have a couple, if that helps. Okay, I will... A couple. So, I mean, I love craft, new craft beer, and I love, um, I love traditional keg beers, egg, sorry, cask beers. I, I mean, I love all beer. I mean, this is going to sound incredibly boring, but one of my favourite beers is like Timothy Taylor, Landlord. Yeah, okay. Because it's just exceptionally good at what he does, and when you find it in a pub that keeps cask well, it just never, ever lets you down. That or Otter, bitter okay. from Devon, is amazing. I'm trying to think. I love a load of... I mean, I love... I tried... Um, uh, and I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong. I tried Omnipolo, which is a Swedish brewery, which has been doing a load of uh, uh, collaborations recently. And I tried one that they did. I'm pretty sure it was them. Um, uh, with with, and I think I might be wrong. I'm going to get in trouble with this, but I think it was a collaboration with Buxton. It's called Yellow Belly. Okay. And I tried that recently, and it was uh, it just blew my head how good it was. <laughs> so I think in terms of, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to pick because the craft beer market is so it is, is evolving so quickly. It's hard to pick a favourite, yeah. but what I, I, I do love. I mean, I love Citra Hop, so any Citra IPA, anything like that, I'm, I'm, I'm a killer for, so... 
Okay. Um, I know uh, we spoke uh, about a week ago, and, and um, so you've got a couple of events coming up at the brewery. Um, if you uh, opportunity to, to sell them to the public. Oh, well, so yeah, we've got we've got a few. We've got an open night coming up in in, in July, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we just throw the brewery open. A bit of taste testing, that taste kind of testing, thing. Yeah, help yourself to beer all night long, that kind of thing. It's been great actually. Like two years ago, we launched a beer club, which is fantastic. So we hold uh, uh, beer club events throughout the year, which is great. Great to get to know you know our local customers and everything like that. And we've got a cracker this year actually. The final game of the Six Nations, we're showing the England Island game. On, we're using the fermenting vessels <laughs> as our TV screen. How big is the TV? I think that's important. Pretty huge. Yeah, we've got the we've got a, a huge, great screen with a projector and everything like that. So just yeah, kind of. All the beer you can drink and, and live rugby. What date's that? 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day. 17th of March on, on St. Patrick's Day. Great stuff. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the Real Reading podcast. Uh, we'll speak soon, no doubt. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Dan Hearn from Loddon Brewery, based out in Dunstan Green. Uh, it's a great little place to visit. Uh, sadly, I think driving is probably the best option. So, Hugh, uh, I'll be employing your services. I think uh, as I my charge a very high rate. No, you don't. No. <laughs> I'm sure you still own some rent somewhere along the line. Um, so, yeah, uh, we were sat in the beer store, surrounded by absolute gallons of the stuff, and I can uh, thoroughly recommend it as well worth a visit. Um, so we're just uh, we're just wrapping up a little bit now. Um, if you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. Um, you can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. And if you're able to, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps uh, get us up the rankings and uh, means that you know we have lots of nice things to read this time next week. A few final thoughts, uh, Hugh. What do you reckon? With, uh, my my hope for the next few days is actually simply that um, Reading FC start to win some football matches because I, I am starting to get worried about them getting ready right now and the the transfer window has now closed so they can't bring any more players in so they've got to make do with what they've got other than the ones that they may be or may or may not have done depending on yes yeah. <laughs> they, they may yeah, well. they may have made 10 signings on deadline day we don't know but then Hugh and I have both simultaneously realised that we're doing this on Tuesday deadline day is on Wednesday and this is going out on Friday Yes, my brain is, 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 now, is now in a pickle. Um, so if Reading have signed 10 players by Saturday, good luck to them. But if they haven't, they'll have to make do with what they've got. But they need to start winning matches. And I hope they do because League One is not a nice place. Ah, but come on, Reading v Oxford United. League One is not a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. um, Jenny, thanks for joining us. Um, a bit of a natural. Um, have you have you done this sort of thing before? I'm not sure about that. I I, I found the whole thing very awkward. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and hopefully, you know, practice makes perfect. So invite me on again, and maybe I'll be a bit better. We'll see. We'll see. Um, ladies and gentlemen, vote with your uh, clicks, and if uh, if you want Jenny to re- reappear, then um, give us a few likes. That would be great. And if you don't, that's not a problem either. <laughs> um. Okay, so final thing then, uh, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview on the podcast, please do let us know. Um, the only prerequisite is they must live or work in the town, and most importantly, they must love Reading. 
Um, that's all for this week. Uh, we'll speak to you all in a week's time. Bye! Bye. Bye. This is Dan Hearn from Loddon Brewery and you're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.